we'll read from our text in the book of Romans. Yes, if you've been here before and you're back and it's been a while, we're still in the book of Romans. (laughs) Romans chapter number 15, we'll begin reading in verse number 17 as we remind ourselves that this letter, and it is a letter, you think about 16 chapters, this is a letter that Paul has written to the Christians who are at Rome that he's not met for the most part. There are some that we see mentioned like Priscilla and Aquila, you know, that we know that he knows. But uh, for the most part, he's writing to those that he has not met, that he longs even to go and see, and on his, on his way to Spain, you remember? So let's read from Romans 15, beginning in verse number 17. I have, therefore, whereof I may glory. You got anything to glory in this morning? Hmm? You know, some people glory in the wrong way, wouldn't they? They glory in themselves. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. He says, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ. If it weren't for Christ, I'd have nothing to glory in. <clears throat> that I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me, to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and around about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. How are you going to end? Are you going to end well? You know, I mean, we've got a race to run, right, Brother Bruce? You know, Paul said, I've run my race. I've, I've fought the good fight. You know, I've kept the faith. There's laid up for me a crown, right? So we've, we've got a race to run. Paul's running his race still right here where we are, what we're reading. Paul is still running his race. You know, he hasn't come to the end of it yet. He's getting close. He's getting close to the end, but he hadn't quite come to the end of it yet. He's still running his race. And here, while he's running that race, he heard about some folks over there in Rome, a work that he didn't start. Remember, we talked about that last week, right, Brother Bruce? We, we talked about Paul said, you know, I've planted. Paul was a planter. And he said, Apollos watered. You know, Apollos was a waterer. You know, I have to say, and Brother Bruce said it, he said, you ain't nothing but a water boy. And that's what I've been. I didn't start this. You know, this, this was started back in, what did it say out there, 1847? You know, believe it or not. Some of you young people, I wasn't around back then. 1847. Nobody here was. But we spoke last week upon every good in us being rooted in the grace of God. And Paul's continuing that thought. You know, here, I haven't done anything, he's saying, but by the grace of God. I haven't done anything but by the Spirit of God. I haven't done anything but through Jesus Christ as far as the kingdom is concerned. I haven't, and as far as anything else is concerned, really, why you got five fingers and five toes? You know, if you do. Some, somebody here may be missing one. But if you're missing one, guess what? The Lord was in that too. You know, my grandpa got his thumb smashed off by a log splitter. They tried to sew it back on, much to his protesting, 
because he didn't think it was going to make it, and it didn't. They had to cut it back off later again, you know. But it got to where there was no feeling, you know, there. He couldn't feel when he touched, you know, things. He could burn his hand not, you know, know it. But, you know, we know what we have or what we don't have is because of what God's given us. Maybe you don't look exactly like you wished you did. I remember as a kid, I told my, I've told my kids, and Lydia's back there smiling because she knows what I'm about to say. My mom and dad had a great big dresser in my room with a great big mirror on the top of it. And I'd walk by that thing as a kid and look at myself and think, this is wrong, that's wrong, this could be different, that could be different. Why am I like that? You know. Well, let me tell you, you're the way that you are because that's the way that God made you. You know? And God had a purpose in making you that way. And uh, for me, those things that I went through, Brother Jerry, thinking that I needed to be a little different, the Lord used those things. He uses everything, you know? Yeah, he uses it all. We're, we're getting older, you know, aren't we? I mean, I know I've got a little ways to catch up, but, and I don't know, I don't know what it's going to be like, you know, for me whenever I reach. I, I hope that I can do what y'all do. I mean, y'all get up, and you drive all that distance, and, and the same thing, you know, Brother JT and Sister Betty and, you know, Brother Paul and Sister Dorothy and Joel, y'all all drove long ways here this morning, Brother Bruce, you know. I mean, I, I drive further than I used to, you know, but not much further. I'm still probably the closest, you know, I guess. Uh, uh, well, Shelby, no, you got that distinction now, Sister Shelby, you're closer. Um, but I could walk to church if I had to. How long would it take you to walk to church, you know? Um, but if I did, I'd be out of breath. I grabbed an 80-pound sack of concrete this week and had to carry it quite a good ways to the truck. I had to carry it was three or five, I can't remember. But as I was carrying that 80-pound bag, Sister Delina, I was thinking, this is what it would feel like if I was 80 pounds heavier. And I was, I was huffing it up to the street, and my heart was pumping. I was thinking, oh, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. But God's given us what we have. And he's given it to us for a reason. If you're his, it's, he's causing all things to work together for your good. You know, so Paul's talking about here that every good, and we talked about this, didn't we? Paul said they were full of goodness in the preceding verses. Every good in us is rooted in us by the grace of God produced. You think about Galatians 5.22 and the fruit of the Spirit being produced in us by the Spirit of God. There is fruit production in your life as a Christian because of the Spirit of God. It's the fruit of the Spirit, the love are you as loving as you want to be? Well, uh, appeal to the Spirit. Ask, ask to be filled with the Spirit. You see people that are more loving than you are? You know, you see people that, that are more Christ-like than you are? You know, how, how am I going to get that way? Well, I'm not going to get that way by, by on my own, you know. Uh, it's going to have to come by the work of God within me and the Spirit of God conforming me into the image of Christ. So um, all of this is being accomplished through us, in us, to the glory of God, right? So let's, let's pray. That's, that's in essence, I could not say anything else and, and have said most of what I'm saying, but I'll say some more, you know, uh, to try to help ingrain it, to try to help um, get it in your mind, um, to try to help exhort you, you know, in it, um, to help edify it, the Lord willing this morning if, uh, if possible, so... Father, we do come before you this morning and give you all the glory for what we've already experienced today. Father, everything that's already happened and what it's, what it's meant in, in, in 
our lives and in Lydia's life, Father, we know that it's by your grace. It's not by our efforts. Uh, It's because of what you've done. And so we give you all the glory. We ask that you would be with us this morning. Speak to us from your word. Help us to be more than hearers of the word. Help us to be doers of it also. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So maybe that'll that'll help you a little bit. Um, Haven't stood up for a little while. But um, since we went right from one service into the next, you know, we didn't we didn't have a break like we normally do. Uh, But hopefully you're able to stay afterwards and you can fellowship then, you know, with those that are able to to be here with us. But so Paul says here in our text this morning, I have something to glory in. I have whereof to glory. But it's not in me. It's not in what I've done. Right. Well, what kind of things did Paul do? Give me some things. Come on. What Paul do? He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. You know, he was a person. He persecuted Christians. He he traveled up 1400 miles. Jerusalem to to however you pronounce Ilicrum, if that's how you say it. But but set at the feet of Gamaliel. A lot of those things that we're mentioning, you know, as far as. Hebrew of the Hebrews, and uh, he persecuted Christians, and, and those types of things. He did a Saul of Tarsus, right? I mean, those, those were things that were prior to. How about things that happened after his coming to know the Lord? Imprisoned, yes. What else? Kind of all those things that we mentioned before as nothing, as dung, that he may win Christ, yes. Um, What's how about the viper that came out of the heat and latched itself upon his hand and he just shook it off and everybody's looking at him and thinking, This guy's dead for sure. That's that's a that's a venomous serpent. You don't get bitten by that one and live. But he did. You know, how about other places, you know, whenever and I'm trying to help throw these things that I had later in my notes, um, to help put them in your mind up front here, but but um how about the fellow that fell out of the window? Yeah, he was Brought back to life, right? You know, um, you know how about how about the, the 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 man that wanted to hear from Paul and and, and Barnabas and and uh, you know there was there was a, a, a sorcerer of sorts kind of a guy that was that was there in his ear and, and he was he was speaking against the things that Paul was saying and Paul turns to him and tells him that a darkness is going to fall upon him and a mist you know fell over him and he had to be led about he had to look for people to lead him about. Um, and the gospel prospered there. How about the woman that was that was following them around, saying, "These are servants of the Most High God." That you know, tell us about the, the the things of the things of God. And Paul finally got aggravated enough. He turned to her and he said, "To that demon, come out of her." And came out that very that very hour, right? And then those men that had been getting gained by her, you know, uh, are prophesying and things. You know, then they became angry and caused a big you know uproar. You know, how about Mars Hill and, and, and him speaking to, to just a, a whole big crowd of people? You know, there was all these gods and, and that they had had inscriptions to, and, and there was this one, in case they missed one, right, that said to the unknown God. And Paul says, this is the one that I'm going to preach unto you, the one you do not know. You know, I'll preach this one unto you, uh, who you've not heard of. And that was that was that was of Paul. That was Paul, wasn't it? I mean, Paul went where the gospel, it seems, you know, hadn't gone. You know, he went to those places, 
and he preached the gospel in those places. I mean, he's, he, he says as much. Um, verse number 20 says, Yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see. I mean, he, he had a guarantee of success, didn't he? God was sending him unto the Gentiles, and it says right there, he's quoting, you know, from the Old Testament, from what you know, he'd been told before, you know, but, and, and from the Old Testament too. You know, he was guaranteed a success. God sent him to preach unto these people. You know, he was going to be a light unto the Gentiles. I mean, it, not everybody was going to come to Christ, of course, but, but there would be some that would come to Christ. And he would stay there, remember, you know, in those churches for, some t- for a time. You know, he'd stay there until they were established, and then he would move on. You know, he'd go to another place. But he says, he says here, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand, for which cause, he says, also I have been much hindered from coming to you. You remember the time that he was, he was going to go this way, and he was going to go that way, and he was hindered, you know, and then he has the vision of the man in, over in Macedonia saying, come over and help us, you know. Um, and so he goes, you know, there's an open door. He went where there was an open, where the, not that there was an open door to hear necessarily, because there, most of the time when he, well, all the time when he went, didn't he? He went to the synagogue first, and that wasn't always an open door. Um, there were some that would hear, you know, but where God had opened a door for him to go, Paul would go. But how many things he suffered, and the Lord said as much to him, didn't he? How many things he must suffer. You know, how did he suffer those things? I mean, how, how, how are you stoned and you get back up, left for dead, and you get back up and you go and do the same thing again? You know, how, how are, you, are you beaten five times? You know, um, you know you're, you're beaten by the Jews. You're, 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 you're beaten, you know, by, by, by others. You're imprisoned. You're shipwrecked. You're, all these things that have happened to him. Somebody might say, well, you know what? I, I kind of think maybe, you know, you need to find something else to do. There's this thing that you're doing. This it doesn't seem to be very successful. All of these, and I'm sure the devil would be glad to say those kind of things to him. But, but you know, there's just a lot of things happening to you. You know, you, you, ought, to be, you ought to be healthy. You ought to be wealthy. You know, you ought to be wise. You know, <laughs> you, know you shouldn't have all these problems. Aren't you a servant of God? Well, what? Hmm. He said yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, in this in this world, you're going to have what trials and tribulations and troubles. You know, uh, Paul Paul knew that. I mean, his life is is an example of that. We don't have to think like some of these people think that are out there, you know, and preaching a so-called gospel. You know that that everything has got to be a bed of roses. You know, you become a Christian, and everything is just going to be fine. You know. Uh, that you're going to have victory over everything, you know, that, 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 that you could just name it and claim it, you know, that, that when the Scripture talks about all things being yours, you're like, oh boy, I get all the goodies, you know, there's whatever I want's mine, you know, well, I'm going to pray for a brand new Cadillac, you know, um, you know, I need this, I need that, and uh, it's not to say the Lord doesn't provide for our needs, He does, doesn't He? But it's not that we're going to be without trouble. If you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer what? Persecution. And did Paul suffer persecution? Yeah. Did he encounter trouble in his journeys? 
Yeah, from his own countrymen, from, from others, you know, robbers. And I mean, you think about, you know, Cohen's talking about how far, you know, that, that Paul, you know, traveled. You know, just, just this distance that Paul mentions here from Jerusalem to this, this one city, it's, it's 1,400 miles. He didn't have an automobile. He didn't have a bicycle, you know. Um, he might have had an animal to, to travel on sometimes. I don't, I don't, well, we know he had one at least at one time, right? The Lord knocked him off that horse, didn't he? You know, a light shone down from heaven. Um, and, you know, Saul's left saying, you know, who art thou, Lord? You know, and he's, he, he himself is blind and has to be led. But you think about him healing others, which he did. You know, there, there was even one point, you remember, where, you know, handkerchiefs and things were brought to him and taken to others. You know, well, Paul didn't do that of his own accord. He didn't say, well, I'm going to heal this person. You know, God did those things, you know, through Paul. You know, it wasn't something that Paul decided he was going, you know, to do. And I mean, if he, if he had that kind of power, why would he have any infirmity? Right? Why would, why would he have? Right, right. I mean, you think about some of those places that he went, and he had to withstand some of those, what, you know, super, what they called themselves super apostles. They weren't even apostles, you know. But they were saying, you know, you need to follow us. I mean, this, this is, you follow us, this is what happens. You know, look at this guy over here. I mean, look at his presence. It's weak, you know. And Paul said it of himself. You know, I was with you in much weakness, right? Uh, but, but they said his letters, they're, they're weighty. But his presence, <laughs> he's not much to look at, and he's not much to listen to. You know, that's what they said of him. But in all of Paul's weakness... He found God mighty. And that's what he's saying unto us here. God had set this before him to do and to go about to be a light unto the Gentiles. And he went forth in the presence and in the strength and in the power of God. You know, I can imagine Paul being, being of a mind that when Moses said, if your presence don't, doesn't go with us, don't lead us from this place. Lord, I don't want to go there unless your presence is with me. You know, I don't know how, what it's been like for Brother Paul in places he's gone preach. I know he's preached a lot of places. He's probably preached more places than I have. You know, I know I've preached in this place for a long time, but I hadn't preached as long as he's preached. But, Lord, I don't even want to go unless you're in it, you know. Um, you know, Brother David Gatch, I told you, I think, maybe, I don't know, but he sent me a text recently about the meeting next weekend. He said, what you want me to preach on? And I said, whatever the Lord leads you to through much prayer. Whatever the Lord's in, that's what I want you to preach. That's what I want you to come with. We're praying that you'd come with the word that we need to hear. Uh, we, we have every confidence that the Lord is able to impress upon you what you need to be preaching for those people that will be here. As I have every confidence, as we preach expositorily through a book, and we hit a certain verse in a certain chapter, and it just hits you square where you are, you know. The Lord's able to do that. I mean, you're not, surely you're not depending upon me. I, I hope not. Surely you're depending upon the Lord. Surely I'm not depending upon me. Surely I'm depending upon the Lord. Sister Shelby came in here yesterday afternoon. We were back here doing some work, and, and Lydia had kind of wanted all of this to be, I, I didn't say anything that needed anybody that didn't say something to me first because she wanted it to be something that you found about when you got here. I told her, I said, well, that's, 
I understand, but some people are going to, if they don't show up, if they're not here, they're not going to be happy, you know. Um, and so, Sister Delina, you sent me something, and I said something to you, and Sister Shelby was here. And I asked Sister Shelby, I said, I said, are you going to be here tomorrow? And she said, yeah, you know, I mean, I understood what she was saying. As far as I know, unless something happens, I'll be here. I said, because you're going to want to be here. And you know what she guessed when I said, because something's going to happen? You remember what you guessed? She said, are you leaving? <laughs> and I said, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I hope not. I hope not. But guess what? You know, that happened one time. There was a prospect that happened at one time. You remember that, Neil? You remember it, Dad? Brother Conrad Merle and Brother Bob Woodruff were praying that the Lord would send me to a certain place that needed a pastor. Brother Conrad said, I believe that the Lord has marked you out for a bigger ministry, a broader ministry than what you've been faithful to pursue in the years you've been there at Cheetah. And so here they are praying. And here Brother Bob is over there talking to this church because it's in a town nearby him, you know. And um, pulpit committee comes. And I told the church before they came. And I said, this, this church has reached out to me. I said, I, I haven't said no. I haven't said yes. I want to do whatever the Lord wants me to do. You know, I, yeah, I, 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 that message I was telling you about that I was listening to by Brother Conrad, that he, he talks about in that message, he talks about the fact that he was in a pastorate in Houston, Texas, and that God said to him, and he said everything was going good. He said he fought the battles. He'd been there for like, I think it was three or five years or something. But all the struggles that had come along with him coming into the, the pastorate there, everything had settled down. And he said things were going good. And the Lord said, I want you to resign. And he said, Lord, where am I going? He said, I didn't say to ask me where you were going. I said, I said for you to resign. He prayed about it, and the Lord gave him an understanding about when that would happen. And the people in the church were like, where are you going? He said, I can't say. They ended up sending him back over to Bentley, Louisiana. Now, I don't know if you remember all that, Aunt Nita, if that was happening about the time that, that y'all went over there or not. But, but, uh, but, you know, here I was. Lord, I don't want to go unless you're sending me, you know. And I don't want to leave here if this is where you have me to stay. But the Lord said, Brother Conrad said, the Lord told him about that place, you're done here. And he said, Brother Conrad said, he asked the Lord, said, well, Lord, can I stay here? And he said, yeah, but there, you're not going to get anything else done here. You're, you're finished. I'm through with you here. You, you need to go over there. But Lord, that church doesn't even know that I'm coming. That's okay. That's okay. You, you, you trust me. And it did, brother. It got down. They, they were able to stay in the parsonage because the, the, the church didn't have, you know, a pastor yet. They had formed pulpit committee. They were looking for somebody, and they found somebody. And it got down to the last week before the new pastor was going to move in. And the Lord still hadn't given them, you know, uh, a place to go yet. And they're praying. They're looking to the Lord, you know, and, and his wife, uh, you know, is, is looking at him. What, what are you going to do? She didn't say, what are we going to do? Brother Conrad said, she said, what are you going to do? <laughs> You know, and so he was like, well, you know, we're going to trust the Lord and we're going to wait upon him. And it was, he started packing that week. He borrowed a truck from somebody, built side rails for it and started putting all their stuff in there, except the mattresses they were sleeping on. And it got to the, the, the last night, you know, 
Um, you know, he had received a phone call, you know, earlier that there was a church, that church, that said we were praying about uh, uh, calling uh, some men to pastor the church here, and your name came up. And would you be, would you be willing that we would, we would include your name and, and the candidates that are being considered to pastor our church? And Brother Conrad immediately said yes, you know, because he knew he was supposed to go somewhere. <laughs> he was waiting from, for, to hear from the Lord, but it still wasn't, it wasn't a for sure thing that he was going there for as far as what he'd heard. But it, was, it wasn't until that morning that they were going to leave, and they were just going to drive over to Louisiana. You know, he, he had family over there. They were, he'd made arrangements to stay with somebody. I don't know who it was. But they were about to, to, to head over there that morning and got a phone call from that man and said, Well, Brother Conrad, we uh, prayed about it, and it was a unanimous decision that you should, you, if you're willing, that you would, you would uh, you know, pastor our church here. And so he said, you know, when, when do you think that you could uh, be here? And Brother Conrad looked at his watch, and he said, well, he said, uh, it'll take us about three hours probably to finish getting ready. And he said, it's about a seven-hour drive over there. Can you have somebody there at 530 to help us unload? You know, and off they went. And, um, you know, he was there in Bentley until the end of his ministry. And I'm so glad any of you that have had a part and have been at one of those conferences that happened back then, that they're gone now, but, but uh, uh, how thankful I am that, that Brother Conrad you know, heard from the Lord and went over there and started that work, and, and there were those, those meetings, and we used to go, uh, what, three times a year, wasn't it, um, that we used to go over there? Um, yeah, 40 years, that's how long it was. And we didn't get in on all those years, but... You know, I, I went the first time when I was in high school before Teresa and I ever, ever even met. And then after the Lord called me to preach, that was the first place I decided I needed to be. Um, the Lord just impressed that upon me. It wasn't me saying that. You know, the Lord impressed me. You know, you need to be there. And, and men like that man sitting right there with his arm around his granddaughter, you know, those were my seminary professors. And he may not think of himself that way, but he was one of them. Because he preached in those conferences, and I sat under that preaching. And the things that I had learned as a, as a young man growing up, I grew up in church. I grew up listening to sound truth. But when the Lord called me to preach, oh, I had to know, Lord, now I'm responsible for preaching these things. Is this what your word says? And that camp was what the Lord used to, to solidify those things you know, within me. Um, but that pulpit committee came, and I told the church about it. And there were some people here asking me, why do you want to leave? I said, I don't want to leave. That's not what this is about. You know, this, this is, the Lord set this in front of us, and I don't know what he's going to do. And so those people came, and I invited them even to eat with us. Now, as far as the church was concerned, the enemy was in the camp, you know, but we invited them to eat with us, and we sat back here afterwards, and they asked me all sorts of questions, you know, and in the end, I, uh, they said, do you have any questions for us? And I said, yes, I do. Every question that you've asked me, I want you to answer it. And they were able to answer some of them, but not all of them. But in the end, of course, I'm still here, right? So the Lord, it was an experience for me, to be sure. It was an experience for the church here, 
at the time. But I brought all that up and said all that to say this because Sister Shelby asked the question, are you leaving? You know, if I did, whether it be by me being in that situation where the Lord took me somewhere else or I died, you know what? The Lord's going to take care of you. He doesn't need me to take care of you. Now, I'm content to preach here for the next however many years the Lord leaves me on the face of this earth that I'm of any profit to you. Brother JT told me the other day, he said, now, if you see or hear something that I say, you know, and, and you, you, just, you ain't going to hurt my feelings come, and I, I'd say the same thing to him. You know, I told him that on the phone the other day. I said, you, same thing with me. You see something, you know, don't be afraid to come to me and say something about it, you know. Um, and as a church, I may get so old one day that I'm up here and I can't even think anymore, and, and you may have to put me out to pasture, you know. I don't know. And Brother Donnie's younger than me. If he's still here, he may have to be the one to do it. I don't know. Um, you know, he may have to find somebody else. But the Lord's faithful. The Lord's faithful. He'll provide. You think about where I came from. Hmm? The Lord called me into the ministry you know, whenever I was in high school and send me off to seminary after, after I finished high school to graduate and look for a church. I've got a cousin that that happened to. He graduated from seminary and took a church in, in Idaho. Yeah, that wasn't me. Here I was sitting out there where you are. And the Lord said something to me that I didn't want to hear. He said, I want you to preach my word. I told you as a kid, right? That was the thing as a kid sitting out there. I thought, Lord, I don't ever want to do that. I don't ever want to have a part of that. I'm not interested in that in, in any degree. You know, I told you my girls are shy. I was a shy kid. You know, I was very shy. You know, this wasn't something I was interested in. You know, just merely from the standpoint of public speaking, I wasn't interested in. But beyond that, even at a young age, I understood the responsibility. Let me tell you, I was already speaking in this church that the pastor that was here at the time had asked me to read scripture in the very beginning and it turned into bringing a devotional and turned into bringing, you know, a few messages here and there. And then that pastor had left and there was another man here that was, that spoke for a while and then he left and I called my dad. I was in Alabama. I, uh, well, no, actually I called the man who left. I called him and I said, I said, do you need me this weekend? If you don't, I'm going to stay here with my family in Alabama. And he said, you hadn't heard? And I said, heard what? I left. You know, he resigned. And I called my dad and I said, Dad, why don't you tell me? He said, well, you know, he said, we'll, we'll, we'll make do this. Uh, no. I said, I'm coming back. I said, and I, and I got here. I, told, I met with the, man, the men back there in the back. And I, I didn't plan to say any of this. <clears throat> but I met with the men back there in the back. And I told every one of them, I said, I have no uh, understanding that I'm going to pastor this church but I will stand in the pulpit any Sunday that you need me to. You know, and that first Sunday that I stood behind this pulpit, Brother Jerry, that there wasn't a pastor out there. I don't know. What do you think this is? Probably 10 inches, maybe 12 inches. That step there, I felt like I was going to be pushed through it. The weight that was upon me standing behind this with there not being anybody else here. I was a much younger man. I was in my 20s, you know. Um, but the Lord's faithful. He called me out of the midst of the congregation to preach his word. 
He can do that. You know, it doesn't have to be somebody coming from somewhere else where you rob somebody else's pastor. You know, that's what them pulpit committees do, right? They're just robbing somebody else's preacher most of the time. Um, but the Lord can raise up a young man out of the midst of the people because he did with me. He did with me. But I will say the same thing that Paul says here. Anything that has been done in the midst of this congregation in any of your lives, you know, it's been through Christ. It's not been through me. You know, I'm, I'm just the axe, and I'm not going to boast that I cut down the tree. You know, I'm just the axe. God's the one that has his hands around the axe handle. You know, if there's any good that's done, it comes from him. It's not from me. So, what do I have to glory in except Christ? What do I have to glory in except the power of God? I can glory in the power of God back there. You know, I can glory in the power of God. What have I done that can't be traced back to his hand? And what he was doing all along, you know. Um, I mean, I, I, I think about Teresa and I even meeting, you know, and that her, that she would even decide to marry me. You know, I mean, I, I came along and met her in high school. She was a freshman, and I'm talking about marriage. Because of what the Lord had dropped in my heart back when I was a freshman in high school, I was two years ahead of her. And he said, you need to be looking for, for a wife from me. I started looking at all these girls in school, and I'm like, nope, 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 you know. Um, but, you know, the Lord did that. The Lord did that. I'll read the passage again. We read it last week, read it the week before. Philippians 2.13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. To will and to do. Right? I, I, I wasn't even willing to stand up here. The Lord made me willing, just like with Lydia and me. And when I, I told her, I said, now, it would be a blessing to the people if you would give your testimony. And I didn't even know what her testimony was going to be. You know, I said, it would be a blessing for you to give your testimony. I said, I'm not going to make you do it. I'm going to leave that between you and the Lord. But I think it would, it would be a blessing to the people. And I told her after I said that, I said, that's worse than me making you do it, right? Now you've got to wrestle with the Lord. You know, um, he made her willing. He made her willing. So what is there in any of this, Paul saying, that I can take credit for? Nothing. Nothing. Apart from the grace of God in me, I have done nothing in which I am able to glory. I'm sorry, Sister Delina, I forgot to send the verses out. That's all right. Yeah. I've been busy. <laughs> Um, Paul says in Galatians 1, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. It's not after man. For I neither received it of man. You'd be in trouble if I had. If I was just preaching something I'd received of men. Neither was I taught it because I could be one of these that say, Well, you know, there's a new perspective on Paul. I could be one of these that say, Well, you know, this is kind of an antiquated book. We're going to update it. I could be one of those that say, well, you know, the Old Testament, that was, that we're just, we can just, you know, New Testament is all we need to focus on. Um, you know, um, that's not what this means. That's what it meant back then, but that's not what it means now. You know, and truth becomes relative to whatever, you know, you think that it is. No. The truth is the truth. 
It doesn't change. God doesn't change. God spoke these things, and they're not going to change. They're forever going to be the same. So, I received it neither of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And if you know him, that's true of you. The Lord's taught you. The Lord's given you an understanding. Um, For you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God. And listen what he says next. I persecuted the church and wasted it. Wasted it, he says. And profited in the Jews' religion above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of of my fathers. But when it pleased God, why did God wait so long? You know, why did God wait? So Saul of Tarsus wasted the church. But when it pleased God, when it pleased God, God had a purpose. When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen immediately, he said, I conferred not with flesh and blood. But just reading that to give you you know, a sense again of where Paul's coming from here when he's saying, this is all of God, it's not of me. And where's our rejoicing? Is it in ourselves? Is it in what we have done? You know, I had, my aunt came to the door one day, not this one here, it was another aunt. Well, my aunt came to my door one day and she knocked on it and we were talking about some things. I think she was bringing me some, um, some older books and stuff here from the church that were kept at somebody else's house. And she was telling me about my uncle who, boy, today he brought... Three souls into the kingdom. God brought three. If if there were three souls brought into the kingdom, God brought them in. He didn't bring them in. You know. But that's not the way they think. All power for any good belongs to God. Apart from His grace, we only have the capacity in ourselves to do the thing that Paul said. Waste. Waste what God's given us. You know, waste the, 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 the mind, the body, the time, the resources. Just waste them apart from God. Galatians 1, 23 and 24 says, But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which he once destroyed, and they glorified Paul. It's not what it says. They glorified God in me, he says. They glorified God in me. You think about what he was. You, you remember that man the Lord tapped on the shoulder and says, I want you to go and pray for Paul. Whoa, Lord, I don't want to go there. That man has, don't you know who that man is, Lord? As if the Lord didn't know. Paul says, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought in me. I'll give him all the glory. Psalm 62, verse 11 you may be familiar with this, this passage, but the psalmist says, God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Now, my hope in those, any of my children that have been converted has been that power belongeth to God. That God is able. I'm not able. God's able. I've gotten in a lot of trouble over that with people before. I've had people leave this church because of that before. Um, All power belongs to God. Brother Bruce told me last week that the Lord quickened him over a conversation 
by two other men that they didn't even know he was really paying attention to, I don't guess. But, but they were having, two men were having a conversation in the belly of that submarine, and God spoke to Brother Bruce. You know, brother, that's Jonah territory. That's deep in the water. And a submarine, like deep in a fish. God spoke to Jonah uh, in that fish. Jonah came out of that fish running to do the thing that God had sent him to do, didn't he? Um, But out of the dark depths, God has called us by his mighty grace. We can make a profession. We can pretend repentance. We can... We can do a lot of things, but is there a godly sorrow that's led us to repentance? We can say, I'm the Lord's, like I said this morning, but can, can we say that the Lord said, you're mine? You know, um, What does man have to glory in? What can he accomplish apart from God? What did the Lord say? Without me, you can do nothing, right? What do you and I have to glory in? 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For he make, Who maketh thee to differ from another? I told you about families that have been raised. I mean, you could have filled the whole pew, you know, mom, dad, and all the kids. And they were all raised the same way in the same church under the same preaching. Who maketh these to differ? Some were converted, some were not. Who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, what dost thou glory? Or why dost thou glory as if thou didst not receive it? I mean, Paul's not going around boasting and saying, well, you know, I did this and I did that. No, he's glorying in the Lord. The Lord did this. The Lord did that. It wasn't me. Without him, I could have done nothing. Nothing whatsoever. The glory is God's alone for anything done by me or done by you to any good. And think about all those things that Paul went through. He endured all those things by the power of God and got up from being stoned and went back to preaching the gospel. And the power of God did attend. And the power of God does attend the preaching of his word. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's what? It's the power of God unto salvation, right? Also the Greek. Yeah, it's the power of God. We preach the gospel, but we're not depending upon our ability could I reason with you? Could I, could I corner you and say, you don't want to go to hell, do you? And you say, no, I don't want to go to hell. Well, just pray this prayer, and then you won't have to. You know, baloney. Yeah, it's baloney. Absolutely, it's baloney. Well, Paul knew that it was only by the grace of God, that he had the strength to do or to endure anything. Philippians 3.3, he says, For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. None whatsoever. So, you know, Paul could have sung that hymn that we sang. What was that... uh, uh, I will not boast... And anything, I can't even remember the name of it now. How deep the Father's love for us. What number is it? I wanted to go back and, and, and call your attention to, to uh, a part uh, in there. It, it is number 80. 
So number 80 in verse number 3 says, I will not boast in anything. No gifts. Paul had gifts, right? Paul could sing this hymn. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. And then he could sing the other part too, couldn't he? Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. But I will not boast in anything. Um, <coughs> Galatians sounds like Galatians 6.14, doesn't it? But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then we could go right into Acts twenty six eighteen to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith um, that is in me. So it's foolishness to the world, but to us who are redeemed and saved, you know, it's the wisdom of God, isn't it? It's the power of God. It's the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse 30 says, But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. You know where that comes from, right? It comes out of Jeremiah, doesn't it? Jeremiah nine twenty three and 24, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, and let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth, that's what Paul's talking about here. It's the same as boasting, it's the same thing. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercised loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So, where's our boasting? It's only in him. We've seen a miracle today. Now, we've seen it in time for us. God's known about it for, you know, before the foundation of the world, right? You know, she was, she was the fish, you know, that was made, but the water was made for the fish before the fish was made, right? Um, so we can say, seeing that, what the psalmist says in Psalm 115.1, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us but unto thy name give glory. For thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. God's accomplished it, hasn't he? You know, the goodness in you, the grace of God in you, God's accomplished it. Where could we be? Where could we be this morning? Where could we be? What could we be? You know, Paul says, except for the grace of God, apart from the grace of God, you look at that fellow out there who's not living for God and he's living for the world. He's the worst sort of fellow. You'd never want to be around him. You know, um, that could be me. Except for the grace of God. Now, Lydia, at some point along the way, you know, and maybe even, you know, today, Luke 15.10 says, there's joy 
in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Right? God gets all the glory for that. All the glory belongs unto Him. So, you know the trouble Paul went through. You, you know the, the things that Paul did. Uh, the miracles and things that God wrought through him. Um, he says it's all of God. It's not of me. It's all of God. He could have been like the psalmist in Psalm twenty-seven, thirteen. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so the psalmist goes on to say, wait on the Lord. I don't know what you're going through right now. How's it going to be accomplished? How is this going to be resolved? How are we going to get through this thing, this trouble, this trial that we're going through? Wait on the Lord. That's what the psalmist says here. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What did Paul do when he was in prison? What did Paul do when he was, you know, shipwrecked or you know, whatever else we could name? Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. So those of you who are weary and troubled, wait upon the Lord. Believe upon Him. He's able, isn't He? He's able to save you. He's able. He's able to deliver you from whatever you're going through. Guess what? The storm that you're in right now, if you're in one, you know who stirred it up? He did. Why did He stir it up? Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Draw you to himself. Where are you going to go? Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. You know, will, you, will you also go away? You know, what did they do? They clung to him. Lord, we ain't, we ain't got nowhere else to go. The Lord stirs up the storm, and then he comes walking on it. Yeah. He's able to deliver you from whatever you're facing. And remember the thing that you're facing is the very thing that he's using to do, like Sister Dorothy said, good in your life. What did Lydia say? She was preparing to write a note to her family. And I said, how were you planning on going about doing this? And she said, the quickest and least painful. I said, there may be quicker ways, but there ain't none of them that's pain, less, you know, there's, there's no pain involved, you know. Um, and if you're outside of Christ, your pain's only begun. Can you imagine? Dispatching yourself right into hell. And thought that you had woes and sorrows, but they were the only the beginning. Only the beginning. But the Lord let Satan loose on her, brought her to that place, so that she would see, Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't know where I'd be. I need you is what I need. And she turned to the Lord, right? And then on top of that, you heard, you may have heard, I don't know, but um, this is the first time that she's publicly said anything about this, if you haven't noticed it before. But, but she has, she mentioned the disorder. She has ticks, And you'll see her jerk every once in a while. When I first started seeing her do it, I thought, there was like a wasp or something flying around, and she was just kind of ducking, you know. Um, and I didn't, I didn't pick up on it for a long time. But through that, and Anna will tell you the same thing about headaches, and I've used Anna's headaches a lot as an illustration for that because you knew about them. You didn't know about this, but the Lord used that 
to draw her unto himself. If you have to have ticks the rest of your life, and it was the thing the Lord used to draw you into his kingdom, it'd be worth it. It'd be worth it, right? So, he creates, he created the need that caused her to turn unto him. Amen. Well, let's stand and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. I hope I didn't preach longer than you can stand. I know I preached longer than Catherine could stand. (laughs) Might have preached longer than Mama wrestling with Catherine could stand. (laughs) But Mama's probably used to wrestling with Catherine. We had to wrestle with Rebecca, had to wrestle with Andrew, had to wrestle with Anna and Lydia. But Rebecca, I think we took more outside the church building than the rest of them. (laughs) And you know what? Rebecca Lynn, the Lord used that in your life. And he used that not just in your life, but in our lives too. Don't you think? Well, we thought, what have we done? This, you, 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 you've seen James Dobson wrote a book um, called The Strong-Willed Child. I knew about the book. I knew about the title. I thought, I got me one of those, you know. But, and she's, she's still strong, but strong in the Lord and the power of his might, you know. Uh, you know, there, we, we, we carry some of those things, you know, with us, but, but she's not the little girl that I told her, don't you touch that. If you touch it, I'm going to spank you. And she'd reach over there looking at me the whole time and then lift up her skirt saying, come on, big boy. You think you can whoop this out of me? Give it a try. (laughs) The Lord can break us, Brother Jerry. We were all like that. Every one of us. That's a picture of us. He can break us.